Hey guys, welcome back to the Backspace podcast. Today we've got another special guest and I'm really excited to introduce him to you and everybody, but it's a privilege to have you back here again. Um, I'm your host today, Balraj Jergra, and today's guest is a professional um, volleyballer. He has played through the Australian junior system and he's recently done his debut at the Volleyball Nations League and it is no other than the 21-year-old Max Zenka. <laughs> Thank you, Balraj. Nice to be here. Thank you for having uh, me. Thanks for joining. Thanks for joining. All right, Max. Well, how um, how did you find your first uh, national men's um, event? Yeah, it was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Uh, definitely a, a daunting experience playing against the best of the best and you know trying to compete and, and win games against guys you've been watching pretty much your entire career. But yeah, definitely learned a lot and had a lot of fun and yeah, a lot of laughs on and off the court. So yeah, great experience. So the tournament itself took place in Italy. Um, which yep. uh, which team and um, and sort of which game would you say was your best game and you enjoyed the most? Yeah, uh, I think the one I enjoyed the most to start with, uh, I didn't actually play a lot, but it was against Iran, considering we won the game. Yeah. So, of course, that's that's probably our, our favourite uh, memory. But for me, I think the Slovenia game was one of my best ones that or against japan i was, I was pretty happy with those yeah. so. well but all three of those teams are solid teams we know that yeah. iran are the current reigning champions of asia right now going into yeah. the olympics and then we've got the other two teams you just mentioned there as well solid teams as well yeah yeah i don't think uh, do, did you play slovenia through your junior years as well i don't think uh, no that was them. the f- yeah no first time I've, I've played a lot of those teams actually italy slovenia russia I've I've never lined up against those teams, so yeah, seeing some uh, some big names like your Mazursky and Politaev against uh, playing against Russia was yeah a little bit uh, daunting at first because they're so tall and they jump so high, but uh, yeah, it was it's great to see well, it's, what they it's like. Talking about jumps as well, we actually brought some stats up, and hopefully these are current as well. So we got you at sure. 191 centimeters. Um, yes. Last check in here was 84. Your weight was 84 kilograms, and yes. um, your spike reach was 349, yes, and, um, and your block jumps 330. Yeah, so far. <laughs> it's probably going to go higher yeah. soon. <laughs> so there's, there's some big, big, um, big stats as well, because I brought up the Japanese um, setting um, stats on how tall they are, and they're only, on average, about 175 centimeters was with the Japanese setters. Yeah. How does the Japan team make it work with such uh, shorter players in the in the international landscape? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, it was quite interesting because we we had a look on on the film and could kind of tell some systems that they would change. So uh, the setter would sometimes block in the middle, especially if it was a bad pass. He would quickly switch, and the middle or the outside or middle opposite, uh, yeah, middle outside would block on the. Uh, in position like our position yeah. four, so yeah, he would he would just come back and play some sort of a tick cover role, but if he was blocking in uh, good reception, they would play what we would call twenty two defense. So the position six would step to the right, uh, looking for the over the top mm-hmm. swing, and 
yeah, they did that pretty well because we did it a lot and they, they seem to be right yeah. there all the time. So, so, so effectively, yeah. the shorter blocker there, because their the block jumps I was having a look as well weren't very high. I think it was just above no. about the three three fifteen mark was roughly where they were going. Um, so yeah. obviously with with a with a spike reach for you of three forty nine, you're definitely OTTing that. And yeah, so six yeah. would have had to play a pivotal role on the Japanese team to actually get those balls up then. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and with the players that they had, Ishikawa was playing obviously in six and the young gun, I guess you could call him, um, Takanashi, I think his name is. Yeah, he was he was playing in, in six. So yeah, that outside combo was, was really good and, and they uh, scored a lot of points and also made a lot of plays yeah, too. Yeah, so. well, they're pretty impressive to watch on the YouTube highlights. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it would have been, yeah. been unreal playing against them as well. So that, that's awesome. Definitely. So congratulations on your first uh, debut for the Thank national you. team. Well, Thank you very well much. Well earned, well earned. Um, you just peel back <laughs> a little you. bit and have a, you just chat about like where it all started and I guess... How about we have a chat about uh, when you first started playing volleyball and um, how you got introduced to it? Yeah, sure. So uh, originally I, I played a lot of soccer or, or football, uh, depending on what you want to call it, growing up. Um, my father played a lot of football as a kid and it's kind of something that's run in the family. So yeah, I played that pretty much until the start of high school and I went to Brisbane Grammar School uh, for the first couple of years of high school and they have specific sports you play each term. Mm-hmm. So uh, soccer for me was term two, and I had no idea what to do in term one. And there was cricket or swimming, but I wasn't really interested in those, so I decided to give volleyball a shot. And turns out it, it was pretty good, and, and I had a lot of fun. Uh, and, yeah, kind of stuck with that. And then I'd be playing football, but training for volleyball as I'm playing football at the same time and, and it kind of just uh, weeded off and I, I decided to go full-time volleyball mm-hmm. around 13. That's awesome, that's awesome. A little bit more about your background, I guess, with your family and, and what, what what's the nationality, ethnicity background for you? Yeah, sure. So my father was born in Croatia uh, and I'm half Croatian as well. So yeah, that that's the, the football side and... and uh, my grandfather as well played a lot of football growing up um, in some professional leagues. So, yeah, that that's definitely the, the culture behind uh, playing football is, as a kid for me. And, uh, yeah, my mum my just played a lot of sport, basketball, and, and she was a track athlete as okay, well. Okay, that's awesome. So, so you got Croatian heritage yeah. as well. So that's, is that where the passion yes. comes from as well? I think so. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're very passionate and, and uh, sometimes harsh on ourselves and each other. But like you said, it comes from a, a passionate side and, and a loving uh, and caring uh, yeah, support. So, yeah, sometimes we can get fired up or, or you know, have harsh uh, uh, conversations after the game. But it comes from a, a place of care. So I, I really like it and, and thrive. That's off fantastic. It. So, um, what yeah. sort of role has your family played over the last, uh, I guess, last 10 years for you to be successful in volleyball? Yeah, so uh, pretty much any anything you can imagine, really. Uh, obviously, financially, you know, without their support, I would have next to zero opportunities. So, you know, that's been a huge thing. But uh, even in the beginning, I can think of my dad and I going to just some random tennis court 
and practicing for two, three hours and just going, okay, how can we both understand the game a little better? Because I had limited experience in, in volleyball at the time and obviously he's still new to the game as well. So yeah, both of us trying to find out what works best is uh, yeah, is, is quite challenging at that time, but I feel like uh, it allowed us to continue to develop our bond, but also work to learn something new. And uh, yeah, with their support constantly pushing me to be the best I can be and, and not really have any excuses for not training. I think was uh, was very pivotal in my development. No, that's amazing, and it's it should be noted as well that they got you to a point where you were actually able to be capable enough to move out of a home, and um, you moved over to Canberra. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah. That was that was quite daunting, to be honest. I think probably the my hardest challenge to date. So yeah, I I got the offer to move down to Canberra when I was fifteen. So, yeah, moving out and, and saying goodbye to, to mum and dad and not really knowing any skills in life. I, I didn't know how to cook at the time or anything. So, yeah, going, going to a place that you've never really been around before and, and, saying, and throwing yourself in the deep end and, and saying I've got to live there was, yeah, quite challenging. But you learn a lot about your character in those moments and you're also able to develop quite quickly. So I would say I had an accelerated development uh, during that time, but definitely, definitely no, worth that's it. That's amazing. So you also went to the local um, high school there whilst you were in Canberra as well. So it was, um, was it was at yes. Lake uh, Jindera? Yes. And, yes. Um, so I that's heard that name. you brought quite a bit of success to the school as well. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we entered in the Australian Volleyball Schools Cup my final year, Uh the, the previous year I, I was out with injury so yeah this year we we came with vengeance <laughs> and uh, yeah we brought the the first title to Lake Jindera in the Australian Schools Cup Honours Division uh, in Melbourne so yeah that was uh, that was a pretty amazing experience doing that and, and being able to lift the trophy and and yeah be with a, a great group of guys that uh, made the trip very enjoyable. No, that's amazing. Well, I've, I've been back to national schools multiple times and played in open honours as well. And it's quite a handful mm. of um, the best teams in Australia that get together. Um, I wasn't able yeah. to lift the trophy up in, in the honours division. So congratulations <laughs> to you for being able to do that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe next Maybe year. Next we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully they can just get it back on and um, get, hopefully give the opportunity to the kids that are still at school <laughs> to um, okay. actually get on the court yeah. um, at the national champs. So yeah, that'd, that'd be, be really nice. good. Um, tell us, what, what, are you, what are you curious about right now um, outside of volleyball? Yeah, so I guess for me, I'm, I'm kind of looking into the future. I'm, I'm wondering what can I do to set myself up in a position where I'm financially stable, I, I guess. Um, obviously, volleyball is, is my top priority, but there is always life after volleyball. So that's kind of where, where I'm at, trying to figure out my next moves. This is many years in the future, but uh, yeah, I like to plan ahead and, and know where I'm going to. Um, but other than that, I'm yeah, I'm just chilling at home. I, I finished my degree uh, last year, so yeah, hopefully that can set me in a position where I'm able to uh, step into a financial world 
uh, and, and start working. But uh, yeah, currently just resting uh, post yeah, VNL. Okay, fair enough. Well, I saw that you yeah. actually finished your degree in three years um, instead of, say, yes. four years that you could have taken. Was there yeah. a particular reason that you, you chose to go down that path? Yeah, so going back to it, I think I wanted to kind of accelerate my transition into being a professional. I felt the college experience had given me enough of what I wanted to get out of it and allowed me to develop my skills to the point where I think I was ready uh, to go professional. And I also had the opportunity to finish early. And I thought uh, if I have you know, this experience that uh, you know I've, I've had and I've enjoyed it to the point where I'm not really getting any development from it. I'm, I'm just kind of coasting through it. Mm-hmm. I want to be pushed so I can uh, I can finish early and then, yeah, throw myself out into the world and, and start yeah. earning a living. Obviously, college, yeah, isn't free. So, yeah, I wanted to, to finish that as, as quick as possible. And I think if you also have the opportunity to, to graduate early, I, I mean, why wouldn't you as well? You know, it's it's pretty uh, pretty nice to have your degree one year early and you're ahead of the bell curve. Yeah, so, no, that's fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. I guess you had the opportunity from your uh, college um, sort of career there to move into professional and then you debuted in your first professional club out in Denmark. Yes. Tell us, how did you first come up, how did the club first come across you and um, how did you make the choice mm-hmm. that Denmark was a place for you? Yeah, so originally I, I was just looking everywhere, to be honest. I didn't have really a set place, but uh, the former coach of that club, Brendan Garlic, was there and he's an Australian coach and I've worked with him the last six years at least. He was there pretty much from my first national team. So, yeah, the opportunity to play under him for me was unreal and I knew that he had a lot of uh, experience in the professional realm. So, yeah, I went to, to play under him and, and then he got married and, and did something silly. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, he, uh, he decided to pass on the reins to another amazing coach, Phil Dixon, who's from Canada. And yeah, I worked with him my, my first season and I uh, had a lot of fun, you know, and, and developed a lot. And uh, yeah, I was given a lot of freedom to uh, work on my game as a, as a player, but also as a mentor to some of the other younger athletes who were with us. And yeah, I, I really enjoyed that experience and, and treasure that experience a lot. How long does the professional season go for in, um, in Denmark? Yeah, so I I believe it's similar across most professional realms in, in Europe, uh, but we started pretty much September or mid-September, and we play through all the way to April, I think is when the finals uh, yeah, kind of start wrapping up. Uh, you do have a Christmas break, but it's generally uh, you have your league, mm-hmm. and then there'd be a cup sort of uh, competition as well, so... Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of variation in games. Variation. So generally speaking, um, most of Europe kind of sticks to the same sort of playing schedule, kicking off roughly in September yeah. and wrapping up around April. Now, it seems like you had a unique yeah. uh, sort of introduction into it with um, having, I guess, a relationship with one of the c- coaches um, previously. Say if you, you were yeah. a brand new player, had no relationships at all, 
what would be um, your approach if you were to get scouted out for one of these professional teams in Europe? Yeah, so I think with every athlete, you need to begin with some form of highlights reel. You know, everyone is is trying to uh, submit something in the world. So, yeah, you, you kind of have to film some sort of gameplay or training sessions that uh, are the highest level you can achieve at the time. And then you're pretty much reaching out to agents. Usually most players will be represented by an agent and they will help get your name out across the world because obviously there's a lot of competition to get a place. So yeah, finding an agent that you can work with who you can not only trust but also sees uh, the best interest for you is very helpful. And then from there, yeah, you you uh, hope that a, a club uh, wants your requisite skill set, and yeah, then then it's uh, Bob's your uncle, and you you're ready to go. <laughs> you're ready to, yeah, ready to go. Yeah. So where where can players, um, aspiring professional athletes, where can they find these these agents? Like where did where did you find yours? How did you come across them? And where where can they find them? Yeah, so I think for a, a lot of players, first your looking to reach out to guys who have probably played professional before because they will be your easiest form of communication, finding agents and uh, potentially knowing someone who could connect you to an agent. Otherwise, a lot of social media platforms, they tend to be quite vocal in advertising their own uh, players that they represent. Uh, But yeah, you can reach out to them on their email uh, yeah, it, it depends really yeah. what whatever suits you best. So. Okay, no, that's really good. I think they're the two practical ways for people to actually get get in front of people that represent athletes and yeah. they can put you in front of clubs as well. Would you say that you would require an agent to go into the college system as well? Uh, so actually for both, for professional and college, I don't think it's a requirement. It is suggested for professionals, uh, but... In terms of going to college, you cannot be represented by an agent. Uh, you will then be what you consider professional, and to go into any college environment, especially in the US, you have to be at an amateur level. So you can't be, yeah, you can't have an agent, you uh, can't have accepted prize money for a tournament. So yeah, it's it's strictly amateur level to make it fair for everyone. Yeah, okay, well, that makes sense. So for, yeah. for how did you go about finding a a college and a university in the US. Um, being in Australia, you would have had to do something to get there. What was your process to get into the college system? Yeah, so li- literally, as I was speaking before, I, I created a highlights reel with my father uh, based off some national team tours. And from there, we pretty much sent out the, the video to all the teams and, and colleges across the US. And from there, some schools will come back with a response. It's not guaranteed, uh, but I think the more the merrier in in any form. You're trying to get your name out there and and see which college thinks your your skills are what they're looking for. So yeah, that's what my father and I did, and and we got some interest from some schools, and then uh, yeah, Charleston came and and they offered uh, a decent uh, sports scholarship, but also academic. And I think that's something that every athlete should be looking for is how can I maximize 
the amount of scholarship that I get offered because it is not cheap. I'm not going to pretend it is. So yeah, any academic or sporting is is very well. That's that's awesome. And I know that a lot of athletes have to choose between whereabouts in the world they want to go. Typically for volleyball, I'd say yeah. the two main college systems that they will go for is either Canada or the US. Is there is there an advantage um, or is there more pros going to one versus the other in your opinion? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Uh, I know for Australian guys, Canada is quite an easier pathway because uh, there's been a lot of Aussie guys that have gone through that system, and uh, we have quite a good reputation for being very hardworking in Canada due to the the large number of guys that have been there. So, yeah, I think that kind of attracts guys a little more, but I'm not really sure whether there is a distinct advantage. I think the US at least in in my opinion there's equal if not more opportunity to play in the US being you know a, a very large uh, large country and and a lot of uh good leagues in you know the east and the west coast but yeah i think it yeah. d- depends what you want really um for me the the US system and being able to play in the NCAA was was the most attractive uh aspect of, of playing there so yeah it de- depends what kind of goals everyone has if you if you want to play what I would consider the the best college I, I would go with the NCAA just based off some of the the best teams and and the caliber of players that they're bringing in but I think the Canadian system is still very competitive and, and very close to the, okay. the top that's NCAA fantastic. I think that's going to be really insightful for players that are on that crossroads and now, um, in terms of when yeah. they should start looking, when they should start making these highlights reels, should they wait till year 12 before they submit stuff or wait till they finish year 12? Or when should they start really applying for these, um, these college positions? Yeah, great question. I think as many as you can. You know, uh, like I said, it's, it's really about getting your name out there. It's not about whether you have the best quality, it's it's pretty much brute force, really, when, when you're trying to get overseas. You want to constantly be putting your name out there and, and telling people that you're available and you're committed to this pathway. And I think from, from year 11 onwards, I think is the best time to make highlights because you're you've developed more and you have more understanding of the game and and probably the competition that you're playing at would be higher uh and then yeah from from year 12 if you can get let's say high level state league staff or national competitions then guys would be 17 18 years old so they're pretty close to the age you'll be lining up against in the college systems anyways so yeah, that's when when I would be trying to pump out as many highlight reels as possible. No, that's awesome. I, I, that's really good advice, man. Uh, I think as you've yeah. recently just gone through that system and just transitioned into your professional realm, I think I would say that advice is is current and um, and it's still applicable. Yeah. So that, that that's really awesome. I think there'll be a lot of people who want to take value from that. Um, in terms of your uh, transition from playing junior volleyball for the Australian team and then moving now into the national men's team, what do you feel like the biggest change is in terms of um, the yeah. competition and how you prepare and, and everything around that? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's quite interesting when, when I think about going through the, the junior levels. 
I wouldn't say there's a, a big difference in the physical part. So we are trying to work just as hard coming from under-19s, under-23s, through to the, the men's team. I think it's just the consistency uh, on and off the court. Like we're always looking after ourselves with, with the VNL team. We're having the right nutrition every meal, you know, fueling the body immediately after training. We've got your protein shakes, your BCAs, all, all the stuff you need for optimal recovery. And then it's just a matter of consistency, I think. Uh, in the the younger levels, I, I can think there'd be times where we'd be we'd be red hot and and firing on all cylinders, and then a couple of plays don't go our way, and there's a quite a big lull in in our performance. Whereas at at the yeah top international level, it has to be on the entire time. You have to be focused, and if you do not play your role on the court, then there's someone on the bench ready to come on and fulfill the job you're not completing. So yeah, for me, consistency is, is the biggest thing. Um, but honestly, I've, I've had more fun playing with the, the national men's team than every other team uh, before because it's so intense and you're so focused all the time that there are no breaks. So yeah, you're constantly thinking about what's next. What can I do better? Uh, where can I be that maximizes my chances of getting the ball? And yeah, it's it's lots of fun too. Like I, I am able to run uh, sets faster and, and just completely forget about where the ball is. I can just run straight to my position knowing that the other player is going to feed it straight to where it needs to be. So yeah, it makes the game a lot more high, uh, high intensity and fast pace, but it's, it's phenomenal to, to play at that level is, is so much fun. I, I can't begin to describe it. No, that, that's amazing. That's amazing. So you touched on the point on with your preparation and um, it's mm-hmm. about feeling the body, getting the right nutrition in there. And then yeah. as a result, that leads into your recovery as well. Typically, t- tell me more about what does your recovery usually like, look like typically? Yeah, so in in the VNL competition, we were limited. We couldn't always go or, or do what we wanted based on the bubble that we were in. But for me, I think after every game, you're always trying to rehydrate. You know, you'd be sweating a lot, so you want to pretty much avoid... Uh, yeah, feeling dehydrated and then cramping will set in. Uh, and then, yeah, always having a, a good stretch. I think, yeah, making sure you're, you're hitting your, your hitting arm and, and obviously your lower limbs to keep them nice and, and mobile. Uh, and then from there, I, I think for what I was doing with a couple of the other players was some form of hydrotherapy. So whether it be just moving in the water or, or some leg swings, a little bit of light swimming, just to get the bit of the lactic acid out of the muscles from the build-up from the games, and then really focusing on sleep. So yeah, of course, uh, the right nutrition post-game, uh, but yeah, you need to be sleeping, you need to to recover and make sure that the next day you're feeling as good as you possibly can. Um, something that I, I don't think is touched on a lot, but uh, for those who are, kind of want to understand what happens, you're not always going to be 100%. It's actually very rare that you'll be going into a game 100%. Even 90% is you know phenomenal if you could uh, as an athlete, but it's understanding where is my body at and where can I push and then where can I 
uh, take a step back and go, all right, I need to focus more on this area of my body or I need to make sure I do these recovery uh, exercises to then prepare my body best. But yeah, something I, I don't hear mentioned a lot is that it's very rare you'll be feeling amazing going into the games. So it's it's all about monitoring where your body's at and yeah maximizing your chances of performing well. No, I think they're really fair points. You touched on the nutrition there, you touched on the sleep, and also yeah. the touched on being aware of your body where it's at and then pushing it according to to its limits effectively. That's yeah. that's really awesome. I think that really sums up on how as as an athlete you're really doing your um, recovery aspect and putting a lot of emphasis like when we talk about the sleep and nutrition um Mm -hmm. from a health professional point of view we see that to be the 90 95 percent of recovery and um and then things like doing your hydrotherapy doing your ice baths doing um stretching getting a massage they make up the one percent of recovery and as an elite athlete i think every one percent you can get above the curve it's it's an advantage um, as well. but I think yeah. it's good that you're still focusing on the 90, 95% of recovery, which is, which is good. <laughs> yeah. 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 Thank you. I do miss the, the adjustments that, that we had in, in my right. They were nice <laughs> and I uh, felt I was sleeping a lot better, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I just think, uh, you know, as, uh, you look down the ancestral, uh, period, you know, that's our main form of recovery so yeah like you said all the other stuff is is extra mm-hmm. but if it's something we've been doing for thousands if not tens of thousands of years it's probably good so yeah you would obviously try to maximize that and and yeah not not give up your your best form of of performing well yeah well you, you touched on our time in Bahrain so we went there in was it 2018 we went yeah, um, we went yeah, to Bahrain so. for the under twenties uh, Asian Championships, where um, you uh, had a great tournament as well. Thank you. That. Thank and you. And I think you got selected for at that time. Was it the the national men's B team at that time? Yes. And then you yes. went on a tour after that. But at the time, we I, I remember how we approached it. We try to screen every player. So I try to screen every player, check when what sort of injuries everybody had leading into the tournament, and try to I guess touch on that and make sure we maintain that to make sure you're performing well. And then uh, also just monitoring your load and doing a bit of a load management through that as well. And yeah, um, for you, I remember at the time we, we were trying to have a look at your shoulder and uh, making mm-hmm. sure that you're one of the main outside hitters for the team and you're going to be going through an increased amount of um, spiking. So since then, what sort of injuries have you uh, – have you faced and uh, how have you gone about overcoming them to make your debut into the national men's team? Yeah, yeah. So touching on uh, on what we did, I think load management is, is huge, you know, and sometimes undervalued in a lot of youth programs, you know, because that's the time when you're, you're still developing as an athlete, you're still growing, everything's changing in, in your body. So, yeah, I think it's important to... Yeah, really focus on that and, and hopefully something that is touched on more going through the, the grassroots. But yeah, since that time, I've, I've definitely been working on a lot of prehab to prevent injuries. Um, yeah, a lot of shoulder strengthening, uh, leg strengthening stuff to avoid any form of, of knee pain. And fortunately, nothing like that has happened so far. But uh, 
yeah, last year I unfortunately suffered a, a dislocated ankle. Uh, so yeah, that wasn't uh, wasn't fun and, and oh. took me out for a lot. Uh, but I guess I, in hindsight, I timed it well because uh, that's was the beginning of of COVID. So yeah, I, I was kind of out for roughly five to six months, and then uh, was lucky enough to work through my my rehab and and get to a point where I was able to perform in the pro season. So yeah, that, that wasn't a good experience, but it paved the way for some, uh, incredible opportunities later. So well, that, that's uh, quite a setback having a dislocated ankle. How did you go about managing yeah. it? Did you, uh, did you opt in for the surgical pathway or did you go, um, conservative? Yeah. So I was, I was really lucky. I, I think it's probably the, the luckiest I've ever been. I should have gone to Vegas after, but, um, but yeah, my I was I was lucky that my ankle had just gone out and I didn't tear anything. Uh, all the bones were fine, ligaments, tendons were were all good. Um, so yeah, I, I basically had to be rushed to the hospital, of, of course, and and they put it back in with uh, with no issues. So yeah, I I dodged a bullet. That's that's for sure. Wow, that's but, incredibly lucky on that yeah. because with with dislocations like that. We see a lot of tearing as well of ligaments. Yeah. That um, that then puts us at the crossroads of what what are your goals as as a athlete, and if we want to go down that surgical pathway or we want to go through the conservative pathway to manage that. So, yeah, it sounds like you got really lucky on that. Yeah, one. yeah. I think a lot of professionals would look and go, "You're one lucky, you know, <laughs> person." So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember actually uh, speaking to the guy and ironically, uh, the doctor that I saw at the US was named Dr. Leg of, of all of people. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was he was saying in, in his 20 years, he's seen maybe one or two cases. So yeah, I was, like I said, unbelievably lucky. But uh, yeah, I, I'd still, you know, wasn't the best uh, experience and I still had to go through a lot of difficulties with, you know, coming back and, and pains and noises you shouldn't be hearing uh we're moving your ankle and and still to this day there's still some residual effects and, and probably will be for a while but again it's all about managing what i can do with that ankle and uh you know wearing certain compressions to optimize recovery and and keep swelling down and it still allows me to perform and, and play the sport that i love so no, that's amazing. That's amazing as well. Yeah. Now, I guess um, with you, I guess, coming back from this injury and then making your way into the national men's team, it obviously shows you um, your work ethic as well. You would have to go through a lot. And I, and I know that you are a big fan and you idolize uh, Cristiano Ronaldo yes, as definitely. well. So you, uh, you, <laughs> you try to take on uh, a lot of a lot of his, I guess, habits as well as much as you can. So one of his is, is his work ethic that a lot of people know about. Yeah. Um, and his work ethic off the pitch, which is in, in the weights room and doing strength training. Tell us yeah. a little bit more yeah. about how do you approach your strength training as a professional and an elite volleyball player? And, um, and I guess how other people can, can uh, learn from that as well. Yeah, no worries. So yeah, I've right on the money. I I've idolised Ronaldo since oh, I can't even a long time, at least eight eight nine years uh, of age. I've yeah been looking at him and and I know that he's not as genetically blessed like Messi, for example, who's just you know a gift uh, to to the world. But like you said, yeah, he's just able to work and and find areas where he can improve. 
where others wouldn't even think of. So for me, yeah, I am fascinated by the gym. I, I love to lift weights probably just as much as I love volleyball, in all honesty. So yeah, anytime I can find different exercises that will provide uh, an extra benefit, I'll do them and I'll do them religiously. Uh, any prehab exercises that I could do to prevent injuries five, six years down the road, I'm doing them now. So for me, yeah, for for younger athletes coming through and, and kind of just starting that uh, journey, definitely the gym is something that you should be getting into, but not just to get huge or to get strong and impress your friends. You have to put egos aside and know that I'm in the gym because I'm trying to improve, whether it be jump, attack, whatever you're looking for, but I'm also there to prevent injuries. The strength is there so that you can then push yourself to jump high, hit the ball harder, and your body can deal with the load that you're, or the stress that you're putting it under. So yeah, for me, I'm, I'm working out at least four times a week on, on a pretty hefty uh, program, but for me, that allows uh, my body to push itself and, and get stronger and then also feel good when I'm on the court. So, you know, I, I don't have any issues of going, uh, are my tendons strong enough to be supported when I'm trying to jump? Is my shoulder going to be okay if I'm trying to hit a serve as hard as possible to improve uh, how fast I can serve? Like I am I do the stuff in the gym and, and I work hard in the gym one, because I love it and, and getting a pump makes you feel massive, um, but also because I'm, I'm trying to look after myself and, and prolong my career. So. No, that, that's quite amazing. Um, yeah. In terms of the, the men's team, who, who would you say is the, the biggest in the men's team? Mate? <laughs> the biggest? Uh, apart from myself, I can't really think of anyone. <laughs> no. um, I don't, who, I'd have who, to say... Who works out just as hard, I guess. Just as hard, I think a, a lot of the older guys have instilled a, a lot of good behaviours. Um, I look at uh, like Arash and, and Luke Perry and Bo in particular does a lot of stuff. Um, so yeah, those those guys are always working hard. And then you've got you know, the other older guys who uh, are kind of helping us younger guys go through and showing some different forms of development. So uh, Luke Smith, for example touched on a bit of proprioception with us whilst we were working out um so yeah a lot of footwork or, or balance uh ideas that in turn strengthen your your ankle joints and and supporting areas so that's something that doesn't really get touched on enough i think uh people just go oh squat heavy bench press deadlift whatever or variations of that but uh, yeah, doing a lot more core stuff and, and having your core as strong as possible yeah. and then also, yeah, developing uh, ankle joints and, and thinking, well, what are main pivotal areas in the sport of volleyball that I need to uh, work on and strengthen? So, no, that's yeah, really those, good. yeah, it, it was good uh, competing, especially with, uh, with Pez uh, in the gym. We were always at each other trying to compete and, and lift uh, as much as the other or, or do uh, serve a ball faster than the other. But yeah, we're, we're competing in everything. In everything. Um, and yeah, it's, it's lots of fun. No, lots of fun. That's actually really amazing. And in terms of, um, I guess, um, I was talking to, I guess, um, the beach volleyballers um, mm-hmm. last podcast. We had uh, Chris 
make huge in our podcast as well. And yeah. we're touching on that. They've got a dedicated uh, strength and conditioning coach out in Adelaide um, who's been doing great work with all the beach volleyballers there. Do you have in the national program for the men's or I guess for the indoor program, is there a dedicated strength and conditioning coach you guys have? Yeah, so we have our uh, assistant coach, manager, Jose, who was working with Marcos. Uh, so he was giving us most of the, the programs whilst we were in VNL. Uh, but we can also reach out to, to Luke Reynolds or, or Ren, uh, as a lot of us call him, uh, who gave us some awesome programs, one which I'm, I'm currently on. And yeah, they're, they're intense, but man, do they work. Like they're, they're very good. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of supersets. Uh, and yeah, a lot of exercises, but yeah, you, you put the work in and, and you see the results afterwards. So yeah, yeah, we, we have a great group of guys, uh, helping us out. Great, great, great. Now, when are you heading off to your next, uh, tournament now? When's the next, uh, volleyball activity happening for you? Yeah. So providing everything goes according to plan, we will have the Asian championships, which is a stepping stone for world championships coming up in September. So it's most likely we'll have a pre-tour camp in Canberra, probably mid-August, mid to late August. And then, yeah, the guys will, will travel and, and hopefully we can come top one or top two and, and uh, yeah, qualify for, for world championships, which would be pretty cool. What uh, country is the Asian champs in this year? Yeah, so it's in Japan, uh, funnily okay. enough. So, yeah, it's post-Olympics, post I think in a different area to where the uh the olympics are being held um but yeah we we will see we don't know much about what's going on based on the the current world situation we're still yeah. unsure yeah but yeah our fingers crossed that we get the opportunity to, okay. to play well it should be familiar if you do go because you went to japan back in 2017 with the youth uh, australian team so yeah. should be familiar territory there yeah, home home court advantage for, for me and the Japanese <laughs> team. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, so, Max, what we usually do is we usually wrap up um, the podcast with our fast fast five questions um, yeah, sure. as well. So, the first one is, um, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? I think from my parents, just as a, as a young uh, athlete coming through, was, yeah, just be obsessed with trying to make yourself better. And uh, no matter what situation you're in, find a way to get better or to work on yourself. For me, this yeah, the biggest one. Nice. What is the worst piece of advice that you've ever received? <laughs> the same from my parents. No. <laughs> um, uh, some people were, I would say, to play a certain style of volleyball that didn't fit who I was. So I think staying true to yourself and, and yeah, not listening to people who are trying to force you to be someone you're not or do something that you are not comfortable with. So yeah, sometimes people would, would want you to play certain styles of volleyball that you're just not who you are. Mm, okay. No, that's good. That's good. I like how you, you took the, the worst and made it a positive there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's, there isn't always bad advice. Uh, I, I think it is constructive and then you can take messages from it. So there is never one message that someone gives you that's always wrong. There's always going to be parts in it that are correct and you should follow, but it's deciphering which parts are, are best for you and then running with mm -hmm. those and, and the others. Yeah. You can keep in mind, but you don't always yeah, have to follow. Yeah. 
What's the biggest surprise or, or moment that you've had in your career so far? I think uh, playing VNL, I think, was, was the biggest uh, yeah, surprise. I, I wasn't expecting it. And uh, for me, I was maybe thinking maybe three or four years down the track, it could be something that I'm pushing for. But yeah, the opportunity to do that at, at 21, I was, I was really surprised and uh, yeah, very grateful for yeah. the opportunity. But uh, now uh, I want it more every single year. No, that's so. amazing. Well, what, yeah. would, what sort of advice would you give if you could go back and meet the 15-year-old Max Zeneca? What would be some advice that you would give to him today? I'd, I'd say uh, through all the difficulties that I'd face, don't worry about it because things will be good at the end. And no matter what happens, trust the process and trust yourself. And yeah, things will work out That's just beautiful. fine. That's beautiful. So, yeah, I have my arm around him. <laughs> he, he, a little man. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that would have been when you just moved to Canberra as well at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. Last one on that note is um, in the Fast Five. Mm-hmm. If you could create one law in the world that everybody had to follow, what would be the law that you would create? Uh, damn, that's a tough question. One law. Anything. And it can be it can anything. Be, it doesn't, doesn't have, have to be, be sport. sport. Anything. That's a good question. Uh, I, I would go for a humanitarian point of view. I would say that uh, you couldn't waste food or, or anything like if we if we didn't waste clothing food resources and and we gave it to other people uh i think yeah everyone would be so much better off so that's yeah probably the the best and easiest one i could think of at the time i'd have to sit down and <laughs> decide what what is the law already but uh yeah <laughs> wasting resources i think we could we could do a lot better across the world no, I like that. Beautiful. Oh, that's a very, that's a very good response yeah. to is Max. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna actually add one last Please question do. in there. It's more my curiosity than anything, really. So you're still 21, which means that you can still play in the under 23s um, championships as well. So um, I believe the the Australian national under 23 champs is gonna be coming up really soon. Are you going to put your hand up and make yourself available for Queensland? Uh, we'll see. <laughs> um, I'm not entirely sure whether I'll be around at the time uh, or in the country in the first place. But if yeah, if the world situation gets slightly worse and there's only opportunities in Australia, uh, I may have to make a return to to the Queensland team. But yeah, we will see. No, <laughs> no promises yet. I don't want to get anyone too excited. <laughs> So. Oh, mate. All right. Well, no, that's really good. That's really good. Um, well, look, Max, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you um, taking time out to have a chat and, um, and being really open and vulnerable. Of course. No, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. No, my pleasure. Now, all the best for your professional career ahead. Thank you. And um, we're going to be following your journey as well. Awesome. awesome. All right. Thank you very much. No have a good one. Thank you.